I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. This is a bad baseball team. This is a bad baseball team. Gotta say, I don't know how long I'm going to go in this one. This might be very quick. Uh, this might be a very long rant. I just... When it becomes the same thing over and over, it's hard to record because it's an episode that will be very repetitive and I'm trying to bring the best content as possible. But it's very bad with the New York Yankees right now. Clearly, it's very bad. Uh, the Yankees are one game above 500. We are two weeks into June. I was listening to um, Barstool podcast. It was a Short Porch, you know, with Hubs and, and Scabelli. The Yankees, they said the Yankees need to go 60 and 37 just to win 93 games. And I bring up 93 games because... That's what they were saying was the estimated amount of wins that you need to get in order to make the wild card in the American League. 60 and 37. This team. Do you see this team suddenly going 60 and 37 the rest of the way? <laughs> it's very bad. I am trying my best to stay positive. I really am. Every year, I feel like I try and get more positive. But every year, it's it's more difficult to, to stay positive. This team is very bad. They have a lot of flaws. They are broken fundamentally at their core. 2017 looked so promising. And they've gotten worse since then, somehow. Despite all these big deals they made with Stanton, Cole, the extensions they handed out to a promising pitcher once in Severino, somehow they've gotten worse since. I am trying my best to stay positive. This team, they also said when I was listening last night to their podcast, this team hasn't won a weekend game since May 23rd. And that includes Friday. So if your weekend has felt like shit, for about a month now, there's a reason for it. The Yankees can't win Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're a bad baseball team. They are 5-13 and 13 in their last 18 games. Now, if you want better, sometimes that doesn't stand out at people. It's harder to look at it. The way I like to look at it is that means they're 5 for their last 18 that kind of puts things into perspective. They have five wins in their last 18 games. That's disgusting. And you look at the teams they've played in that span. Dude, the Detroit Tigers swept them. The Phillies two games swept them just now. In between, they split with the Rays. And they got swept to the Boston Red Sox. Oh, it's just completely out of order there. But you get the point. I don't even want to recap these two games that we just lost to Philadelphia. Um, maybe we will, but I don't. I don't think there's no point in in going deep into it. 
I just want to vent for a little bit, and then we're going to end the episode. This is episode 257. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 257, man. I had a good weekend outside of that. Because the uh, Yankees... The um, UFC 263 was outstanding. Oh my gosh. It was, was it good? Was it good? It was fire. It was lit, as the cool kids say. Um, I went into it. I, I went 0 for 6 on my parlays that day. So that was fun. Very, that was very fun. But no, the, the actual fights it's themselves, like the card was, it lived up to the hype. Um, again, the crowd made it so much better, but that, that was a good main, main event. That was a good main card. That was, that was really good. Uh, the, the dude in the prelim, one of the prelims, it may have even been the early prelims. A dude, yeah, it was, the, I think it was an early prelim. Um, a gentleman, I forget his name, won a fight and then he blew his knee out celebrating. And then one of the dudes in the prelims popped his arm out, and it was gruesome. There were some very um, drastic fights going on. Is that a good word to describe it? I don't know. But the main event, the main card was great too. I mean, so this is my first time seeing Nate Diaz fight live. I've seen film of him. You know, I've obviously went back and watched the McGregor fights. He he was um, what do he what do you go one on one against Connor? This dude's legit. I mean, I've 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 known who he is, but I've never seen him fight because I just hopped on the the UFC bandwagon last summer during the pandemic. This guy's awesome. He's an entertainer. He's Nate Diaz is probably one of the few, maybe the only fighter in MMA who wins even when he loses. This guy's a straight-up entertainer. He's a dog. He is tough as nails. He's a bleeder, and he loves being a bleeder. I mean, he goes in there, and going up against a very underrated, who needs to be respected more, Leon Edwards. This was the co-main event? And he... For four rounds, it looked pretty. It was pretty evident that Nate Diaz was not going to win this fight. Entering the fifth, we we all knew if it went by decision, it was going to be Edwards. But that fifth round, Diaz came out there and he came out firing. And he got to a point where he got a nice. He landed a nice right hand on Leon, where he wobbled. Edwards wobbled, and when they wobble, they're about to go down. Usually fighters will keep attacking when they see that. But Nate Diaz, being Nate Diaz, took the time to point at Leon and laugh at him. And taunt him. And he was showboating the entire time. He was taunting. He was just clowning out there. Usually I don't like that shit, but that's who Nate Diaz is. He's hilarious. He's great. And if you watch his interviews, he's fucking fantastic. I fell in love with the dude right there. I mean, I've always liked him. But seeing him, that fight against Leon Edwards on Saturday night was was Nate Diaz in one. That was 25 minutes of Nate Diaz. All I needed was that. All I needed was 25 minutes to know 
Nate Diaz's entire career. That's who he is. He is a straight... He's must-watch TV. DC had some good quotes. He had a good quote on him. Um, I shared it on my Facebook page, my personal page. I forget what it said. See if I can find it. But he had a very good quote on him. Something similar to what I was saying about how he wins even when he loses. I want to see if I can pull it up. Yeah. Ariel Hawani. He said some nice things about him. Pretty much what I... He said those 60 seconds are why Nate Diaz is the legend he is. No matter what, no matter the circumstance, no matter the cut, the blood, all that stuff, no matter the fact he was losing 24 minutes of that fight, he's able to win people over like that. That's right. He's right. He's a fan favorite, man. Just like I said. Uh, where is it? I can't find it. Something DC said was pretty similar to that. I mean, the guys, everybody loves this guy. Everybody loves him. So I fell in love with him right there. Nate Diaz is excellent. Uh, the, the Marino fight was good. Guy's good. Guy's good. He went out there and he took care of Figueroa. Did he make him tap, I believe? And the main event. <laughs> Izzy and uh, Vittori. Now, my buddy, my best friend, uh, has family from Nigeria. He's he's Nigerian-American. I'm Italian-American. So we were going, you know, we were having a little... We were watching the game together with a couple other buddies and we were having a little... You know, back and forth. It was just some banter, some friendly banter. Um, but man, I was hoping Vittori took it. He looked like shit. I mean, I gotta give Vittori credit. He's tough as nails for hanging in there and, and taking all those leg kicks. And Nate Diaz took a lot of leg kicks too. He, I don't know how he was... Again, Nate was still standing after 25 minutes. It was just unbelievable to me. Vittori, very similar. He was hanging in there. So I gotta give him credit, but... He couldn't land anything on Izzy. I mean, other than that takedown in the first round, he didn't have anything on Izzy. Izzy was just way too good. He's long, Izzy. He's quick. He's pretty powerful. He's just smart. He's very creative and smart. And Izzy won the fight after decision. Vittori, not a good look. He already looks like a Chad, but the way he was acting after it, it's just like... Further push that narrative. Looks like this Atlanta game with the Sixers might might hit the under unless they go to OT. Damn. But like he was after watching the press conference, they asked Vittori and they asked Izzy what they said to each other after the fight, and Vittori still think still thought he won. Now in the moment, I'm sure it's different. I'm sure now if he thinks about it, he knows he lost. But like dude was talking all that smack pre-fight he got in there he didn't even it wasn't even a challenge it was probably the worst fight of the main card it wasn't terrible but it was you know evident that Izzy was taking it from the start after that first round at least even then but then Vittori after the fight he goes over and it just you could see you could tell what he was saying that he still thinks he won, and Izzy was looking at him like, what? And Izzy was clowning him the entire time, too, with the taunts, covering his face like he was, you know, just being sarcastic. Like, oh no. You're gonna take, you're gonna win. Crossing his fingers when they were about to announce. He was fabulous. He's an entertainer, too. He's hilarious. That's why he's one of my favorite fighters, too. It was tough for me, because I like Izzy, but I like Vittori. But Izzy's funny, man. It was a good, it was a good event. 263 was good. Did not strike 
on FanDuel, but it was good. Um, and that 264 will be taking place July 10th. That's when we get Connor and uh, Poirier. So that's the trilogy, the final one. But I, I very much enjoyed UFC 263. It's the best sport in the world, man. I am enjoying it so much. I have to go to one of these one day. I need to. Hopefully this summer, but it, you know, kind of broke. So we'll see. And busy. I'm so busy and backed up with school and trying to finish classes. Excuse me. <clears throat> it was good. Um. Yeah. So Izzy's could bounce back from that loss against Jan and Vittori. 0-2 now against Izzy. Looks like Izzy's going to play, uh, going to face play. So used to sports. I don't consider MMA a sport. It's because it's like real. But it looks like Izzy's going to, for number two against Whitaker. That's going to be interesting. He wants it in, I think, New Zealand. Which is where he was born, I believe. But he said he doesn't care. But um, that's 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 next for Izzy, and uh, Vittoria. I'm not so sure, but good card, good solid card. Had a good time, and uh, we were doing a. I was on my buddy's podcast while the, the we were reacting to the fight. So if you want to go check out my buddy's podcast, say no more. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all those platforms. So that was that. That was my weekend. On well, that was my Saturday night. Um, and then, you know, Sunday, <laughs> the Yankees, oh my God, I don't know, man, it's, you know, I can't, I'm going to try to fucking, I said I wouldn't curse, I'm going to try to give his best input as I can without being repetitive and boring, but it's literally the same shit, it's literally the same stuff. That we've been talking about forever. So. We'll see. The Yanks get swept. They get swept in Philly. That's the title of 257. This episode. Of BD4 brought to you by Anchor. Best way to make a podcast. Go to the Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm. Guys if you haven't yet subscribed. To BD4. Be sure to do that right now. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, SoundCloud, many other listening platforms. And you can also, if you want, you can watch this podcast on YouTube. So if you want to subscribe to the podcast, do that. We have episodes on the Yankees Every Series. And we have episodes on the Knicks every two games when they're in season. Gonna have an off-season episode or two, you know, here and there on the Knicks. But I need a really big break. <laughs> I'm still mourning, to be honest with you. Great season, but I'm still mourning. If you want to follow me on social media, do that. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to subscribe to the blog, I write recaps on the Knicks and Yankees every game. All that stuff, the blog, my social media, and 
where to subscribe to the podcast. You can find all that on my link tree. So just go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That will take you to my link tree, which displays all the links to where you need to get me at. Hopefully this game goes to overtime so I can have a chance to hit my what eight leg parlay. God, I freaking suck. It's 101-100 Atlanta, 16.6 seconds left. It looks like Philly's getting the ball. Philly's up 2-1 in the series. If they lose this one here in Atlanta, it's 2-2. I'm not sure where the next game is. i got to figure that out. But the Suns advance with an easy sweep. Uh, They've had it easy. They've had a a Lakers team who, let's be honest, they've had a very, very underwhelming season. And then LeBron injured AD, not the same. And then they get the the Nuggets, who just completely non-competitive cakewalk. And now I I believe they're going to face a real tough team in the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. That's Joe Angles. That's a tough team. Mike Conley. That's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Going up against Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and... Obviously, you've got DeAndre Ayton. Can he handle Gobert? Can Booker match Mitchell's uh, firepower? Can Chris Paul and Conley, the two vets, going at each other? Can CP3 finally get a trip to the finals? It's all going to be dealt with this week. And so on. So I'm excited for that round. You know, it's also getting interested. Uh, interesting is this Milwaukee NJ Nets series. It is officially it's two to two, and it's going back to, I believe it's going back to Barclays um, tomorrow night. And with the injuries to Kyrie Irving, he looks like he's going to be out. I mean, out for a while. Um, he's already officially ruled out of Game 5, obviously. James Harden was also officially ruled out of Game 5 with the hamstring injury. But the Kyrie injury looks really bad. So if those two... I don't know. It doesn't look good for New Jersey. Doesn't look good for the Nets. Which I absolutely love as a bitter, salty Knicks fan. But, um, yeah, man, that's that's... I'm trying to avoid the Yankees right now. I'm trying to avoid talking about the Yankees because I just don't want to. Let's see if I can... uh, I just want to see if I'm anywhere near hitting my parlay tonight. Check the box score here. Eight seconds left about... So, did Embiid get his 20? He's still got 17. He's 4 out of... Embiid has got the weirdest stat line tonight. Joel Embiid is 4 for 20 shooting. But he's got 21 rebounds. (laughs) And 17 points. That is odd. Um, Does Trey Young at least have the 20 I have him for? Yes. Looks like I'm probably, unless they go to OT, I may not hit this one. Because the, the, uh, I need the over, which I am way off. 
I need Embiid for three more points. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. All right, so let's head to our first break. And once again, guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, BD4, be sure to do that. Subscribe to the blog. Um, and also follow me on social media. All that stuff is on my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. We're going to get to this this Yankees recap and, and summarize some things. And just, just we're going to vent for a few minutes. I hope it's not too long. Uh, when we get back, we will get to all that. So I'll see you on the other side. Be right back. You are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. No better way. are one game above 500 and it's what June 14th as I record as you are listening it's probably June 15th one game above 500 they've got the Buffalo Buffalo well they're going to Buffalo to face the Toronto Jays next who are hot right now they just cracked an 18 spot on Boston so you know they've got a triple count a triple crown candidate right now in Vlad. He's leading all triple crown categories. He's the runaway MVP in the American League. They look good. They look hungry. They look good. So the Yankees, one game above 500, eight and a half games out of first place. They need to go, we were saying at the top of the show, they need to go 60 and 37 the rest of the way just to win 93 games. And 93, I say, because that's the estimated amount That's like the projected amount you have to win to get into the AL wild card. That's the wild card number right there. 93 wins at the moment. They have to go 60 and 37. This team. So. Listen, I don't even want to recap these two pitiful ass games. Jamison Tyone recorded one out. One out. Saturday afternoon. Was it an afternoon game? I think it was Saturday night. One out he recorded. So he pitched 0.1 innings. It was a deep fly ball with the bases loaded off the bat of Kutch, too. Oh, uh, yeah, I lost it. 103-100, Atlanta took the win. Damn, man, I fucking... Garbage. Um, <laughs> I hate losing. He sucked! Now, fortunately, the Yankees ended up tying it. DJ LeMayu may be getting it back together soon. He, maybe he's getting some things, you know, maybe he's getting it together. Another big night. He had the home run to tie the game. 
but ultimately we lose the game in extras when the Phillies execute. And I say execute. They execute. You know why? They do the little things. The things we do not do, they do. Sack bunts, putting it in play, advancing base runners. And by the way, boy, do I miss a guy like Ronald Torres, who the analytics mutants hated, right? Oh, he doesn't hit 35 home runs. Who cares if he hits 300? He doesn't walk enough. No, uh, there's nobody who can tell me this guy didn't help the Yankees. He was, he was fun, but he was a productive player. for He, he kept the lineup moving because he was always slapping hits. And he was doing it in timely scenarios. But by the way, he's doing a good, he's doing a good job over there. He's got like a 300 uh, batting average. Because that's... So they were doing little things. You know, that's, that's how they win the game. They bunt the runner over and they get him in. And, you know, obviously the Yankees don't believe in that. The Yankees don't believe in bunting. Despite them continuing to get beat like this in extra innings with that stupid runner on second base rule, other teams are taking advantage of it by playing small ball. But the Yankees don't believe in that despite continuing to get beat that same way every time we go to extras. So that was the first game of the set. It was at least a competitive game at the end, but we lost like we've always been doing. 5-13. and 13. Then Domingo Herman gets absolutely trounced on Sunday in the matinee. And I believe there was a stat saying they did not advance the base runner to second base after the first inning. I don't quote me on that because... I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was an abysmal offensive performance from them. You know, after the offense looks good for four games or yeah, four games in a row, the offense scores at least five runs. You're thinking, okay, maybe they're finding some consistency. No. Don't even care. They suck. They suck. They suck. And I don't even care. I'm just so used to it. I care, but oh my god, it's bad. I don't listen. Everybody deserves blame here. I see people going, "No, it's him." You know, no, it's ownership. No, it's it's the general manager. It's Brian Cashman. No, it's, it's, it's Boone. It's management. No, it's on the players themselves. They're the ones who blah, blah, blah. It's on everybody. It's on ownership. It's on general management in the front office. It's on Aaron Boone. It's on every, the players. It's on everybody. Everybody deserves blame for this. You look at Cashman and I've been one to criticize him over the last recent years for this exact reason. Roster construct. Roster construct. That's that's like the first thing you got to look at here. Roster construct. Big deal, right? Big deal. Every few years, we go out and make a big signing or trade. But outside of that, it's a bunch of patchwork. That's all it is. 
you know, after the 2017 season, we go out and trade for Giancarlo Stanton. We aren't even halfway through his deal yet, and already it looks like a nightmare. Now, he's productive when he's on the field, but that's the thing, when he's on the field. And I shouldn't even say when he's on the field, when he's in the box, because we're paying him $300 million to play half of the sport, half of the time. Do you get what I'm saying? He can't play the field. He can only bat. And he can only bat 60% of the season because he's either hurt or... No, he's hurt. He's either hurt or he's hurt. I mean, it's pathetic. And we got to, we got to, we got to pay that guy $300 million. All these restrictions he's on. And then, you know, there, there's some concern here. You're paying Garrett Cole, who... He hasn't looked good in his last... Well, not, he's, he hasn't looked like Garrett Cole should in his last number of starts. Like, I'd say his last five starts, he hasn't looked exactly great. Um, and it's obviously the concern with the whole spider tack thing. Is that going to affect the way he's pitching? We've yet to find out. We saw the, the decent start against the, the Twins, but, I mean, we have to see. We have to see what he looks like, what the numbers look like, what the spin rate and RPMs look like, how he performs going forward. Is it a big difference? Trevor Bauer hasn't been the same since that stuff has been out there. Just look at all the things Cashman's done, man. The extension to Luis Severino looks awful right now. He hasn't... Has he pitched an inning since getting... Like... Has he pitched an inning since getting the extension? Now that I think about it? It sucks. It sucks. We were relying... That's the problem. He should have been a bonus. We were relying on this guy to get back. And then he has the groin injury just a couple days ago. Pushing him back further. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we do not see him at all this season. So another year will be in the books where he doesn't... We isn't pitched. And how good will he be when he comes back after all this shit? How long is it going to take to get him to be back to that top elite level pitcher? Is he ever going to get there? Like, Brian Cashman handed this guy an extension based off of potential. He handed Aaron Hicks an extension based off of the upside he thought he had. Aaron Hicks, a guy who has a track record of getting injured, a guy who's never been great, never been that good to deserve a seven-year contract who also cannot stay healthy. This is Brian, this is Cashman, man. Sure, he's had some good pickups along the way, right? He's strike he's struck in gold on Luke Voigt. He's gotten a way more than we expected out of Giovanni Urshela. But the track record outside of a select few is certainly not great outside of the, uh, in this decade. I can go on and on, but I'm not gonna, but I'm gonna just name a few. Troy Tulowitzki retired. Chris Carter maybe the only player in Yankees history to be DFA twice. Jay Bruce, also retired. Rootnet Odor, sucks. I'm going out of order here. 
But uh, Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, these are pitchers now. Michael Pineda, Jay Happ, James Paxton, Chance Adams, Justice Sheffield, James Caprillion, Jamison Tyone right now, Corey Kluber. All these guys were either supposed to be top-notch or very good, and neither lasted very long because they didn't live up to that hype, to that potential. And I could have told you this so... I, I did tell you, but I told you guys on multiple, on multiple occasions. I told you so many times heading into the year that this was not going to work. The fact that we were relying on Luis Severino and Tyone and Kluber is pathetic. Counting on and having, you know, them as bonuses are two different things. But you have, you went out and got all these pitchers who haven't pitched in two, I mean, Tyone, Kluber, Domingo, Sevi, four guys who haven't pitched much in the last two seasons. How do you not know that's not going to work? How do you expect that to carry a World Series, a team with World Series expectations? It's 10-2 to two Clippers in the first quarter. Wow. It's unbelievable. Oh, wait. Why did I say before the Suns were going to automatically face the Utah Jazz? I felt like this series was over. They could very well face the Clippers. Sorry. It's awful. Anybody with brains could have told you that's not a way to go. It's patchwork. Like I said, it's a rotation built with, you know, bandages, Elmer's glue, and scotch tape. That's the way he built it. That's what Cashman did. And he sold to you guys. And you guys bought it. A lot of you guys. I don't know how. The smart ones didn't. So props to you. But, man. And he's missed some really big opportunities in the past. And one that keeps coming up in the the front of my mind. Um, every day, really, I think about this shit, to be honest with you. Because it still hurts. Especially when you consider how great DJ has been for this team in the last two years. I think about this other guy, and I'm like, wow, he could have been right next to him in the lineup. And how great would have that been? One of the easiest layups Cashman missed, Michael Brantley, letting him sign with Houston, and then he signed the extension this offseason. Michael Brantley. I mean, that was such a layup, dude. It was everything the Yankees miss. Everything they need in one player right there. It's the lefty bat. The guy who can abuse the short porch. It's the contact hitter. The 300 hitter. And he plays good outfield. Unlike, you know, us having two guys in the outfield who aren't natural, I mean, who aren't good outfielders. You have Miguel Andujar, who's not a natural left fielder. And you have Clint Frazier, who I don't care how many diving catches he has, I still hold my breath every time a fly ball is hit to him because he can't make the routine plays consistently. Michael Brantley's a decent outfielder, and he's the kind of bat we want. I believe he's hitting 330 again this year. He's always hitting that number. He's DJ LeMayu as a lefty. And Brian Cashman never went out and got him. I mean, it's it's just, I don't want to keep dwelling on the past, but you look at teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, the San Diego Padres, teams with, you know, 
payrolls that aren't $200 million. And they don't have the assets, the financials to build their team like the Yankees do. But look at how good of a baseball team they are. Defense, base running, fundamentals, smarts, pitching, some timely hitting, exciting young talent that plays hungry baseball. Team's just a, a dog shit, small market payroll. And now you look look at a team on the other side. Look at a team like the LA Dodgers. They are who the Yankees used to be. They are the evil empire. They're the new evil empire. Last offseason, right, last winter, the Dodgers, they traded the house for, for an MVP candidate, Mookie Betts. Then they won the World Series, but then they went back out there in the following offseason and signed a Cy Young winner in Trevor Bauer. You know why? They're never content. They will trade their farm system. They will go over the luxury tax because to them, it's actually winning at all costs. Whereas with the Yankees, it's winning at our cost. They'll say they'll win at all costs. No, they win at their own cost. That's what that's their mentality. Whoops. One second. Sorry, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, but we fixed it. Um, what was I saying, man? God damn. Dodgers. The Dodgers. That's it. They do what you want them to do. They're never content. Remember Cashman's whole quote? Cost effective? No. No more operating on a budget, man. None of that. Go out there. Do what needs to be done. And I'm not saying spend money stupidly. Just to spend. No. But don't have your sole focus be the luxury tax. You know? Go out there and, and, and focus on what needs to get you wins. Then you look at the tax after that and you say, alright, well, it's worth it because these guys might get us a title. No more patchwork. That's not how you win a championship. So yeah, I'm looking at Cashman. If things don't change before the deadline, I don't see why you wouldn't fire Brian Cashman. Look, he, he did a nice job taking over during the, the Gene Michael Gene Michael's era, you know, in the late nineties. But let's be real, man. What has he done this decade? And where's Hal in all of this, right? Is he on what is he on a yacht somewhere with his martini? I mean if, if there's one thing I loved about George and I hate to be the guy, that Yankees fan you know, that boomer who waves his fists, you know, at all you young kids. But, you know, it's true. You knew where you were with Papa George. With the big guy. With the boss. There was accountability for every one of your actions. And right now with the Yankees, things are way, 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 way too laid back. just is not working. Cashman and his group of nerds are destroying this organization with their analytical approach to every little thing they do.
everything has to be numbers based. It's all computer driven. It's ridiculous. Baseball is supposed to be a natural, organic game. It's not supposed to be a scientific, mathematic problem. It's not supposed to be one of these games where there's a formula and you can figure out that form. Like, it's, it's, the formula is see the ball, hit the ball. That's the formula. Literally, see the ball, hit the ball. But the Yankees, with all their metrics and these prefixed rest days, these sleep schedules, sleep doctors, all this junk. They have a new training staff, so nobody's going to get injured anymore. No, it's ridiculous. So maybe there does need to be a change in the front office, you know, because I mean, their mentality is being okay with making it. They literally say that at the end of their season in their press conferences. They literally are not shy about saying that. They use the excuse of the injury or the the 100 wins or we ran into a tough team. We'll be back next year fully healthy. Absurdity. Something needs to change. And, and I'm not, you know, Aaron Boone is, is, again, he takes fault too. Because while this team isn't constructed to win a championship, they certainly should be way better than this in the regular season. And last year and now this year, they are playing like a mediocre at best team. That's on a manager. Okay, if they don't win a title, you know, they get to the playoffs at least, they win 100 games, they get the division. That's one thing. At least the manager did that. You guys have been hyping up the 100 win seasons for no reason. But now we're not even getting that. Now we're getting a year where we're on pace to win 84 ball games. That's the manager. He has all this talent and still can at least have a great regular season. That's management. You look at this team. The flaws they have fundamentally, that's management. The defense, management. Fundamentals, management. Base running, management. Gary lately, Odor the other day, balls in front of him, going to third base. Chapman on that sack bunt, looking to uh, third base, then going to first with a wild throw in, in the Philadelphia series just the other day. The approach of the plate, the body language, these guys are checked out and you can see it. So if it was just one or two instances... Every once in a while. That's one thing. Okay, you got to blame the players. But this, you have to blame the players and the manager because it's happening every single day. We get at least one blunder on the bases defensively or the at-bats are just not competitive. That's the manager. Having your team prepared and not holding them accountable for making these dumb bonehead decisions, that's on the manager. It may not be entirely his fault, but it is pretty evident that his laid-back, buddy-buddy, I'm-your-friend mentality is affecting the rest of the team. And these press conferences, where he opens up his old book of cliches and says the same tiring junk, it's getting Out of this world, insane. Now he did have some kind of fire the other the other day on Sunday, 
and his presser yesterday to me. Yeah, you know, he said the word fricking and he said hell. So, you know, let's be realistic. It took until mid-June for Aaron Boone to use the word fricking. If that's what we're talking about here, then your answer is right in front of you. If we're going nuts and, and celebrating that Aaron Boone used the word fricking on June 14th, that should tell you all you need to know about his urgency. It's like, I look at it like it's, it's going to sound funny, but it's like fathering a child. You are not supposed to be your child's friend. You're supposed to be your child's father. My dad kept me in check all my life as a kid. Aaron Boone is like the father friend, the friendly father. And the Yankees are those little toddlers. He babies them. He coddles them. That's going to affect you mentally. It's going to affect the way they play on the field. They're laid back. They know that they don't get any kind of punishment for the way they play. So they you know, continue to just go out there and, and go through the motions. Because it's okay. And by the way, I if I'm going to say, you know, if I'm going to criticize the Yankees media sometimes, credit to Brian Hoke for asking that question um, that got Boone to say the word fricking. He asked, the question he asked, I believe, was, are the Yankees used to winning? But yeah, you could tell these guys that just, there's a major disconnect here. There's a major disconnect. They just don't want it. They don't seem hungry, and I'm sorry. I hate to see a guy lose his job, but if firing Boone at least gets somebody else with a pulse in there, I'm for it. You know, so when looking at it in that aspect, it definitely falls on the manager. And where is Aaron Judge in all of this? He's supposed to be the leader, but he too is saying nice things in press conferences as well. I mean, somebody on this team needs to be the asshole to rip into them. Wake them up. Is it Buck Showalter? Is it CC Sabathia? No, it's not Nevin. I mean, somebody from the outside would be great to get somebody to come in here and rip into them. Gotta be great if CC could be like the bench coach. Or Buck come in here and manage. Some I need, I, you know, I'm all for the old boomer to just come in here and just rip into them. I'm for it. Because this new school, let the players control the world thing, it's, it's, that's not it. Not with this group. Something needs to happen. So, again, like John Boy said, 25 games between now and the deadline to figure their shit out. Whether they're going to be buyers or sellers. If they're going to be buyers, well, they better win a damn ton of those 25 games coming up. I mean like 16, 17 of them. Play great baseball. And then maybe look at guys like Kettle Marte. You know, forget the farm. Forget your farm. Trade anybody you need to in that system. If it's going to get you somebody who helps this team right now. I don't care. About Floreal. I don't care about Garcia. I don't care about Medina. About Luis Gill. About any of these guys with the exception of Dominguez. If it's going to get us a player who's going to help us win right now. 
But we've got to start winning if you want to talk about buying again. Because right now, where we are, I'm thinking the best path is to just become sellers. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to sell, we need to clean house top to bottom. I won't say ownership because, you know, the Steinbrenners aren't going to sell the team. But I'm talking from front office to management to the players themselves. We need to clean out the house. Trade anybody on on affordable deals, you know, Britain, Chapman, Hicks, I don't know. Anybody who refuses to make contact, who, you know, keep all the guys who, I would like to keep the guys who put the ball in play and tell everybody else who does not, either can't stay on the field or can't put the bat on the ball, get off of my team. Guys like Miguel and Duhar, good trade bait, but also you can make a case that he puts the, uh, he puts the bat on the ball. He hits the ball hard. He makes contact a lot. If he could just walk a little bit, he'd be in, uh, you know, a 300 hitting all star. Um, so you can go so so with him. Clint Frazier, uh, I don't know how much trade value he has right now. Maybe you send him to Double A right now. Fix that batting stance that he's changing every single game, and get him to learn how to catch a routine fly ball. Get his attitude in check. Get him going. If you want to, I don't know. Gary Sanchez has somewhat turned it around recently, but we'll see how long that lasts. You know, at this point, I will keep him if he just bats 230-240 for me and produces with the power he has. But they need a major overhaul. I, I would not mind if any of those guys I just mentioned got traded for some prospects, some up-and-coming young stars or something like that. I, I, like We need to actually start moving the, the needle here. Trade Gary if we can. If Miguel gets you really good pitching in return, do that. Clint Frazier, package him in that deal somewhere. Let's go. Let's go. Because if, if we don't start winning soon, and I, again, I, I've lost hope that we will start winning soon. I don't think it's here. I don't think it's coming. And even if we do go on this run, if we win 17 out of these next 25 before the deadline, even if we do, I still don't think they're a World Series contending team. Because they could be having a season that's on their way to 100 wins. And I still wouldn't buy that playoff success. I don't think they have the team to succeed in the in the postseason. So we're just steps behind. Like we're so far behind even thinking about that. I don't know. Just I just don't like anything they do. Just like, like dude, not playing Stanton in that Philly series was pathetic. Disturbing. That's how hell bent they are. What are you gonna do if you know? God forbid they. I don't want to bring the World Series up, term, but say they get there. I mean, there's no DH when you're in a National League park for three or four of those games. You gotta get you know, he's gotta learn how to fucking play somehow. He, he's gonna get hurt. So get the best out of him. You couldn't play him for one of those two games? Take him out in the eighth and the seventh, like you do with Clint. I just I don't like their whole approach to everything, man. I do not like it. I do not like this team. Sam I am. It's a bad baseball team. We'll be right back.
All right. I kind of think that's it. I really don't know where else to go. Uh, we might have an episode sometime in the middle of the week. I don't know when I'm going to post it. Uh, we haven't recorded it yet, but I might have a guest on the show for 258. Don't hold me on that. I have to figure out the scheduling, but he's been on the show a few times before, maybe one or, tw- or maybe two times. Um, he's got his own show, but he will be, let's say 50-50 chance we can get it done this week and we'll put it up. But I'll let you know. Stay updated on that on my social media if you follow the podcast there. Um, you can follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow the podcast, subscribe to it, download it, rate it, review us, comment on YouTube, listen to us on all the listening platforms, and read my blog. Oops, on the wrong page again. Fucking got to fix that format if you're watching. Um... So the podcast, the blog, my social media, all that information is on my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. I I don't know if I have anything else to add. Anything else I'd say would be repetitive. This team just sucks. The offense is, is not good. It's not good. Get some damn guys who put the bat on the ball. The pitching. It was good for a while, but we all knew it would come down to earth. And boy, has it been shit these last couple of times through the rotation. Zach Britton came back. Luis Severino goes down again. It's just it's, it's one step forward, 18 steps back. Fire Cashman. Fire Boone. Fire everyone. I'm angry. You're angry. We're all angry. Tired of it. I'm looking forward to the Knicks offseason more. I was looking forward to the Knicks games more. That was one thing. I'm looking forward to hearing some offseason rumors with the Knicks more than I am watching the Yankees play anymore. And they're going to play Buffalo for three games? Gosh. That's going to be a shit show. Let's get to the question of the day. And we'll go from there. We'll wrap it up. So last time out, in episode 256, our NYYNYK question of the day. Which Yankee pitched the only perfect game in World Series history? The answer to that question, Don Larson. He was the Yankee who pitched the only perfect game in World Series history. 1956, game five. Yep. Against the Dodgers, I want to say. I don't know. That was the answer to 256, the NYYNYK question of the day. This episode, 257, our NYYNYK question of the day, brought to you by Anchor, best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, Which Yankee was the first rookie 
to make an MLB All-Star game. Okay, so I'll say it one more time. Which Yankee was the first rookie to make an MLB All-Star game? So message me the answer to that. If you want a hint, I guess it's not really a hint, but he went 0 for 5 in the game. Uh, but that's not really a hint. But um, message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Hit up my DMs. They're open. Or you can comment the answer once I publish the promo to this podcast or post a link or something. Just let me know somehow. All right. So that's that's it. That's all we've got for this episode of the podcast. This is episode 257 of BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Hope, you're guys, hope you guys... Hope everybody out there is having a nice night. Or maybe you're having a nice day, nice morning, whenever it is you're listening to this sometime June 15th or later. Um, it's Monday, but as you're listening to this, it's at least Tuesday. So the Yankees are getting ready to take on the Jays, the Blue Jays, in Buffalo. Not looking forward to that. That's all I've got. Thank you guys for tuning in. This team sucks. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. The best way to make a podcast is to go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app.